Have you heard the saying, if it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck? I've heard it as if it walks like a duck. It quacks like a duck. <laughs> but yeah. Walks and quacks, yeah. yeah. It basically means that if something looks, sounds, or behaves like a certain thing, it's likely to be that thing. And people often use this expression when they're not sure about the true nature or identity of something or someone. Yep. For example, if someone acts like a criminal, people might assume that they are one, even if they haven't been proven guilty yet. But the expression is also a warning against making quick judgments based on appearances only. Wait, is it a warning? It, it sounds like an encouragement. <laughs> it does sound like an encouragement, doesn't it? It encourages us to take a closer look and evaluate evidence carefully before we make any conclusions. I read it the same way as you, that it's basically yep. saying you can jump to conclusions. But yes. in principle, it seems I think to be well, the opposite. I think the other thing is that the interesting thing is that I've always taken it to have a, an ability to convey something a little deeper, right? Which is that like, it's not just saying if it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck means that like, oh, it's probably the thing. I've also kind of taken it to mean for all intents and purposes, it is that thing. And that leads... But what is it truly to be a duck? Exactly, exactly. Well, this <laughs> Look is... at all those chickens. Look at all those chickens. This is what leads us on to today's episode about AI and understanding. And the question is, if functionally you perfectly mimic understanding, are you effectively understanding? Is there a distinction worth making? If you walk like a duck and quack like a duck, even if you aren't a duck, for all intents and purposes, are you a duck? Welcome, guys, to the Morality of Everyday Things. I'm Jacob. I'm Ant. I'll, uh, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast about morality and philosophy. Maybe some share this with you. Thank you. Please do leave a review on Spotify and Apple. We're missing the love on Apple. Let's jump straight in. Today's episode, we're talking about AI and understanding. Uh, I'll use a thought experiment to highlight this in a second, but part of what sparked this was that I was at a, a meeting in our office recently. And what happened in the meeting? A duck quacked. Uh, <laughs> and everyone was like, what was that? And I was like, probably a duck. Uh, no, like, no, it's ChatGPT. <laughs> <laughs> uh, workspace is connected to a university and there's a bunch of people from the university and it's about some government grant scheme where they get researchers into businesses. And one guy was a therapist and he's saying, oh, you know, we're looking for AI helping therapists, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they were talking about whether AIs are empathetic. And ML, machine learning experts, oh, you know, those AIs aren't empathetic, blah, blah, blah. And it's funny because they were saying that having the discussion and they were talking about the limitations of AI in um, therapy. A lot of them were limitations. I was like, these will be overcome pretty soon. But it's funny because that one person saying AIs are obviously not empathetic. It's funny because in one sense, that's obviously true. Mm -hmm. They never are. But in another, they're so trainable and adaptable. And the rate of improvement of ChatGPT, as an example, all AIs, is so much faster than most people mm -hmm. and doesn't have the limitations of people. And the ceiling's actually higher. At some point, if you can tune the algorithm well, can they not at least mimic empathy perfectly? And this is the other thing, not just perfectly. Maybe as a therapist, maybe they can do it better than a therapist. Because right? they don't have the limitations of regular of therapists, yeah, which, which are ultimately which, human and fallible. And exactly. Your therapist could be going through a divorce and be thinking, Jesus, shut up. I have my <laughs> own problems. I don't want to be here. I need medication, whatever else, right? And it kind of starts to, there's two points. Like one, is AI understanding? What is understanding? That's part of what we'll discuss. Mm. And then two, at what point is perfectly mimicking something? The it, same as the actual thing yeah, itself. Yeah, the same as being the thing. Because this is another fundamental human problem, right? That we'll kind of touch on, but maybe it could be its own episode. Mm. You know, we kind of have thinking, feeling experiences. And, you know, we know what thinking, feeling is. But it's hard to explain, like, I felt mm -hmm. something. What is that? Like, well, I experienced it. I felt, like, it gave me sensations, right? I was just hungry. I was just, well, <laughs> I mean, this is the classic thing. Like, as far as we're concerned, everyone else is just AIs. There are inputs, mm. and then they respond with the to those stimuli in predictable ways. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I don't know that everyone else is actually feeling things and aren't. I, I don't know that animals are feeling things. And it's not something that's provable. Mm -hmm. And even then, the fact that I, quote unquote, experience something negative, is that different to just, like, 
like a negative parameter in the programming <laughs> of my functionality. Zero instead of a one. Is the fact that these machines are made out of metal and silicon rather than flesh, uh, mm. carbon-based flesh and blood. Like, does that mean that the fact that they just are machines that respond to stimuli, does that make them different? How do we draw the, the distinction between an AI that can understand perhaps even better than humans in some metrics and humans themselves? That's today's question. Yeah. And it's mad because you do see stories about this in the news, particularly with the explosion of ChatGPT. You guys have probably picked up in references on previous episodes. It's, I mean, it's a product that we're big fans of. We found it super useful as a tool in our work, but it's gone further than that in the sense that you've got people falling in love with ChatGPT and having mm. what they consider almost relationships with it because they're like wow it really understands there was me. that google engineer who was um, yeah these things, right? he said it he said it was sentient didn't he he yes. said lambda was actually yep. conscious because its responses were so yes yeah, yeah. good we're going to jump onto this what does it mean to understand there's a great thought experiment that highlights this from a philosopher called john searle you may have heard of it. it's called chinese room experiment but first i just want to really quickly touch on the economic impacts because i think that's part of we were asked by some listeners particularly um christian on uh, linkedin mm -hmm. uh, we knew him through one of the hiring platforms we used hi Hi, Christian. We want to quickly just touch on the economic impacts because I think that's what a lot of what people mean when they say, like, oh, ChatGPT, how is it going to uh, impact people? This will merit a whole episode in itself, probably. Yeah. But and it's we'll worth, probably it's look worth at it. acknowledging for sure. Yeah. So I think there's a, two or three things that I want to say on, AP, uh, on AI on both sides, right? And I'm saying this as someone who uses it and was using it yesterday to actually, for the first time in ages, do some programming. And I was never a great programmer, right? I can confirm. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but to actually build some tools with it, right? And I think the one thing that we found really quickly is that it empowers you. You move so quickly, but it doesn't replace you. Well, I, this is the thing. It, it, my impression of using it so far has been it's a really powerful tool. And actually, it, let's, let's use the example of like copywriting because it's an easy way to make the point. AI writes copy so fast and so efficiently and yep. you can regenerate responses, train prompts, just get better and better at this stuff until you get really good articles. Yep. So it replaces the grunt work of writing literal text. Exactly. However, you still need an editor, you still need curating, you still well, need, you need someone to with the what you're writing and why. To be really specific in copywriting, say for example, you wanna do a landing page for a blog, right? Mm -hmm. One thing that I found is if you say, write a blog on X, it gives you a pretty bad response, right? Yeah. But if you understand these are the things I need to hit, mm -hmm. this is the length I need it to be, et cetera, and then you actually break it down where like, it's, you know, for example, writing paragraphs that you've given quite specific prompts where it's like, I need you to write mm. about this for a paragraph. I need you to include these themes and have it with this tone, right? Mm -hmm. That's the kind of, you're using it as a tool. It's doing the grunt work. It's the same with programming, right? The way that I found is like, you can't say at a high level, hey, make me a technology business, right? You need to break the stuff down really specifically. Like I need to write a script that does this function with these requirements in this language, and I'm going to put it in this place. So write it appropriately. And that requires understanding. And also the more fundamental understanding of like, why am I doing this at all? It requires ideas. It requires- yeah, exactly. Uh, it empowers you to be more strategic in your work yep. is my impression so Exactly. Far. All of this that we're talking about, the reason I want to do the economic stuff first is because this is a really good explanation of how AI empowers but doesn't replace. That helps to explain the way or the difference between AI quote-unquote understanding and mm. actual understanding. But don't get me wrong, soon the AI understanding is going to be so good and powerful. I see a horizon fairly close where... To take an example of us making this podcast, I can use ChatGPT to help me do my scripting and research faster. The world where like it then has an AI voice read, the, like writes a nuanced script mm -hmm. that's funny and then reads the script, that's less than a decade away. I would yeah, guess, which is right? scary. But and then as it, it stands and then for it, now, there's still it a place happen. for you and me. Yeah, let's hope because then otherwise, yeah, you've got an AI that has even nicer sounding voices. Exactly. <laughs> it's funnier. Oh exactly. my God. The second thing I want to jump on really quickly is um, 
I mean, people are like, oh, well, you know, increased productivity, or are we going to be working less? I think my immediate reaction to that is that we have said this since the Industrial Revolution, mm. right? And the actual outcome is that, like, the prospect of increased returns on the horizon means that we tend to work harder. Because <laughs> we use the tools that make us more productive. Instead of saying this is the acceptable level of productivity, the goal posts just shift. And it's like, okay, now this is the acceptable. So basically, it used to be like, you know, back in the day, it would be like, hey, if you're a programmer, put out, I don't know took a year to make your website. You'd be like, wow, you know, no one makes websites. This is amazing. And then at some point, you know, in the last 10 years, it was like, mate, we need to be shipping every day. Like new features need to go live every day. Mm. And now it's going to be like, if you're not shipping, I'm using arbitrary signposts, but you know, I mean, the law of accelerated it, it, returns, yeah, right? The point is every just hour, that you'll, it could be, yeah. you'll, you'll expect more from your developers and maybe there'll be a little bit of a trade-off where it's like, oh, you know, like the bar for like having it worth having developers. But my overall impression is like, We've said this with all productivity shifts and it hasn't happened. Instead, we've just expected more people to use these tools. Mm. However, and this is my counterpoint, three, maybe this is different. And the big thing I want to talk about is transport. Transport? Why transport? Well, ChatGPT doesn't change this, but AI, it's still relevant. In right? terms of self-driving cars, is that what yes. you're saying? So this is one where there are some tasks, uh, like driving, and uh, certain office-based tasks as well, where like the creative human sort of understanding again we'll talk about that in a minute isn't as needed mm. right like driving the technology for the cars to simply drive themselves exists it's really a pr and policy thing that's stopping it being mainstream at this point point. Mm -hmm. and this isn't like previous shift where it's like oh we got rid of typists like whatever they retrain or whatever we're talking about like one of the top five sources of employment in the world for all people we're talking about low-skilled labor and we're talking about it suddenly disappearing and that can cause huge social and you're talking about things like taxis freight yeah, uh, all exactly. Delivery all stuff. train, yeah. all flights. Yeah. I mean, don't worry, they'll get transition periods, but like, you know, they're going to want to slow these down, phase them out and pay these people less and less as the requirement for them to have certain skills is lower and lower. This is all things. But I thought the first two points were really particularly interesting to the concept of understanding. Mm. And those tasks are ones that don't require the human kind of understanding. I just wanted to highlight that. Maybe we'll do a separate episode on it. It's yeah, that's, one of the big that's probably one to come up in the future. Instead, now, let's yeah. talk about understanding. Let's talk AI. about understanding. And, and the best place to begin is you mentioned John Searle's thought experiment. Tell us about the Chinese room thought experiment. Right. Okay. So this is a thought experiment by John Searle. He came up with this thought experiment in the 1980s. It's really just a way of highlighting the way that computers understand things and you can use this analogy to kind of think through certain problems and be like oh okay like they're not really understanding they're just getting the outputs right well it's funny to think because back then when computers were so good at things just like maths people were like computation well, yeah, yeah exactly literally computation where uh, you have the i mean ai obviously existed as a concept then too but actually the thinking... main limitation wasn't the mathematical understanding of of the stuff that we use mm. although now backward propagating models and things like that's different but like machine learning particularly mm. we had the understanding we didn't have the computational power <laughs> we didn't exactly but people even just looking at the way computers did math so fast we're like whoa can these things think yeah <laughs> and he, this this was uh, really in, in response to that and where kind of people yeah. thought ai was going to go was but just like i think the interesting thing is i read that book code by charles petzl yeah right? and it book. just reminds good you book that, until like, like like the last third where it's yeah. really dense i think it was it steve jobs who said like good technology good products feel like magic or something like that mm -hmm. that's how ChatGPT feels but then when you read that book it just kind of reminds you that like computers are actually just incredibly intricate like rude goldberg machines mm. and it's just amazing that we make them uh, but like that understand anyway i recommend that book or at least some basic understanding of like how binary switches and and silicon chips and stuff work just to kind of cement yourself and like understand like oh wow this is that's how many like ones and zeros are happening really quick to convey the information the fact that it all runs off binary when you get things so complicated as we have yeah. with ai now it still blows yeah. my mind this episode is brought to you by shopify 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think about streaming an HD video. Mm -hmm. How much information is coming so quickly that it's just every pixel and it's just one of a few light, like it's first of all on and off and secondly, one of a few color options, right? Mm. And that makes HD movies. And then every movie is just tons of frames really quick. Like think about the amount of ones and zeros so that need to come to do that. It's mental. It's like, it's also crazy to think that like every novel in existence, this is trivial, it's obviously true, but can be broken down into ones and zeros. It's just the right combination of them mm -hmm. makes Moby Dick. It's anyway. absolutely mad. Anyway, tangent. So back the, to the Chinese yes. room. So in this experiment, a person, the quote unquote man in the room, who does not speak or understand Chinese, is placed in a room with a set of rules written for him in English that allow him to manipulate Chinese characters. The person is given a set of Chinese characters, inputs, and according to the rules he follows, he produces other Chinese characters' outputs. From the perspective of someone outside the room, who does not know what is happening inside, it may seem as if the person inside the room understands Chinese. So the way that this would work is that, like, you know, he has some, is a dictionary or some rules written down for him. You know, you can reference in the table. And someone will, you know, slip in a Chinese character to him. Say, for, you know, say, for example, how are you? And he'll see that the response to give is, I am fine. And he doesn't understand this. He's just seeing like random lines mm -hmm, and symbols. Mm -hmm. And it's like arrow, these random lines and symbols. And he grabs that and he puts it back under the door. It's effectively a lookup table. So <coughs> exactly. it's just saying this equals this. So he can take that, yeah, yeah. produce that. This and... is a super simplified way of saying, because obviously, you know, complex AI is more than just uh, mm -hmm. lookup tables, but it's kind of, the point he's making is that that is effectively what a computer is doing, right? It's not like the guy in the room may to external people seem to understand Chinese, but clearly he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Is the point he's making here. He argues that despite the appearance of understanding, they're simply following a set of rules without comprehending their meaning or, you know, in a kind of deeper level, why they were given those rules or why they should follow rules. Well, this is it. And it's like when you give a computer a sum to take the sort of 1980s computing example, it could look like the computer understands maths, mm -hmm. but all it's doing actually is following a set of rules. But isn't that what we all do when we just do maths? Exactly. Wait exactly. a second. <laughs> well, this is the fundamental. I think too many people put this like special place for humans and they kind of don't realize that this is what understanding is anyway. His argument is often used as a critique of the idea that artificial intelligence can truly replicate human intelligence and that true understanding and consciousness can't really be reduced to algorithms and rules which like i said i kind of disagree with that because like say for example mm. nuance how do you learn nuance you learn it by by being given examples of how to use it and you just learn that it's the rules of communicating however the question that immediately follows is okay if we agree that that isn't understanding but they are perfectly replicating the expected response then how can we define understanding in a way that rules out this man in the room yeah which is a really complicated question there's two different types of understanding that philosophers have designed to try and answer this uh, so we can we can talk about those in a bit functional understanding and phenomenal understanding and and this will kind of drive it like we'll probably explore a little bit how ai works and how it's different to the way that humans work and maybe as you say maybe we just give too much credit to human intelligence but human intelligence works in in complicated yeah. ways whereas ai intelligence works in predictable works in ways. quite predictable ways but well, yeah sort of 
in the, in to the so extent far. you can get to the extent, <laughs> one so far two to the extent that you can get your head around a huge data set things things like deep learning and yeah neural networks um, functional understanding what is that it refers to the ability to perform a task or produce a correct response so in the case of the chinese room experiment this is the type of understanding it's explaining that it's yeah, showing right? he doesn't know what's going on but he can take an input and produce the right output and it looks for all external purposes like there is understanding going on and that's the kind that people typically associate with ai and machine learning because they're saying computers don't understand what's going on but they can take the yeah. input and produce the right output. so this is the not useful description of understanding where like well you know that's just what you've included this in that so the part that is not mm -hmm. related to the man in chinese room the one that he doesn't seem to be actually possess is what we would call phenomenal understanding so what is that so this involves a deeper level of comprehension and meaning and it goes beyond mere functionality right mm -hmm. it involves the ability to to grasp the significance and context of that information and hence make connections between ideas and to draw inferences based on prior knowledge experience and this type of understanding is what we tend to associate with human consciousness let me give you an example with the chinese room analogy this would be the guy receives a symbol that isn't in his lookup table yeah functional understanding breaks down at this point because he yes. can't return the correct response yeah but whereas if he like had phenomenal understanding he could presumably have learned or, or you know he could he could understand the symbol or, or grasp or, the significance from or, wait, what here's, else he's learned or here's here's something like he could see that it's similar to another symbol but in a way that doesn't follow the rules mm -hmm. and give a suggested answer or you say you are a human in that room you could draw a big question mark yeah. and, slide it back under and understand that the person under, out on the other side will then take that as a response of, I don't know, mm -hmm. right? That's the limit of the understanding. Now, the problem is anytime that you have that sort of answer, it's like, well, we can just make rules to cover that, can't we? Mm, so AI can do that. Yeah. ChatGPT and, will often give in response to sort of yeah, like incorrect questions or spelling errors. So yeah. I, I, this is funny. We'll, we'll maybe talk about Moravec's paradox later. This is something I've only heard. I've never written. So I was writing Moravec and spelling it wrong. And ChatGPT kept telling me, I don't understand what this is. Can you rephrase yeah. your question? To <laughs> hey, We're kind of disagreeing with this here, but I think the point is that a lot of philosophers will say that phenomenal understanding is a prerequisite for truly understanding. Mm -hmm. And it cannot be reduced to functional understanding alone. They'll argue that fundamental difference between producing the correct response and actually grasping the meaning and significance of that response is what is encapsulated in mm -hmm. the phenomenal understanding. So in the Chinese room experiment, the person inside the room may be able to produce the correct response, but without that phenomenal understanding, they're not really able to deal with, as we said, anything outside of the expected parameters. Mm -hmm. And that means that they're not actually understanding what they're given. I don't know if that's the measure, but clearly like they're not actually understanding. So one way of understanding this is that responding to stimuli is different mm -hmm. to the conscious experience, which can organically and spontaneously create outputs without the prompts. This is the other thing that's relevant to ChatGPT, right? And this is part of the reason- It's reactive. It's reactive, right? Mm -hmm. It, responds to prompts and it depends on the prompts also following the rules mm -hmm. whereas a person i can say anything to a person and they can say anything back right and they, and they can say stuff to you, you without you yeah they yeah. can say stuff to you without you having said something to them in the first place they can you know, yeah they can well this is the more fundamental thing it's understanding the the why like why am i putting in a prompt at all why am i trying to achieve anything at all mm -hmm. those are kind of like higher level thoughts that the ai simply doesn't have or can't yet um, not to, <laughs> yeah. well this is the other thing that we kind of touched on a minute ago like what happens when you know every time that you're just getting more and more of these edge cases one how do humans deal with this experience mm -hmm. and but therefore then if, we can create rules and, and there yeah, are we just a more advanced machine that can come up with more creative solutions to how to deal with this what if we showed an ai examples of how to deal with not understanding something which is exactly what it does mm. it doesn't give the exact same mark like eh, error 
it says, you know, sorry, can you rephrase this? Or this doesn't make sense. Or this is beyond my capabilities, right? It mm -hmm. reflects some understanding. And yeah, ultimately, we're just giving people too much credit. Are people really just really, really good functional understanders to the extent that it starts to look like phenomenal understanding, but really phenomenal understanding isn't a thing and doesn't exist. As a bigger question, maybe we are just extremely complicated AIs ourselves built on like biochemical well, interactions. AI eyes. And, <laughs> which is eyes. <laughs> <laughs> we're a collection of organic atoms and chemicals kind of replace the electrical circuit that this machines it. built on but this is it i mean the, the fundamental point is that the ai is going to get to a point pretty soon where by all measures it's actually more understanding than us even however it is that you try to define these phenomenal understanding because okay say for example part of it is spontaneity and putting mm. in the prompt these are just layers on top of it where it's like you know come up with a new prompt a random prompt or a prompt based on and then answer it yourself yeah. and then also like <laughs> but the why it's like well you know people struggle to find their quote-unquote purpose or meaning in life mm. but like you, you could even put that as a prompt in your algorithm like <laughs> what is my you, purpose you have some unknown meaning you're trying to find that meaning and you're optimizing towards it you come up with a random prompt every half a second right yeah like at what point are you replicating even the phenomenal understanding so well the fact that we have spontaneity i think is really not a hard limitation to overcome here's a controversial opinion i think a lot of the time part of what humans like to use to distinguish themselves in their form of intelligence from even animals, but certainly from machines, is emotional intelligence and, yeah. and the ability to understand emotional reasoning and, and react to situations and, and all these things and, and have that be part of our sort of memory and our learning. And I sometimes wonder if actually we just give way too much credit to emotion as a form of learning and intelligence, because actually emotion is really just the product of like millennia of evolution. And it's it. ultimately just hormonal That's it. And, and also your entire, brain, right? uh, your entire upbringing yourself as well, which another limitation, by the way, to bear in mind, we die mm. and we can only take in so much information per second, even if it's not biological or, you know, quote unquote conscious, the AI has the advantage of all of human history and can like take mm. in more and doesn't die. So it can keep getting better. It's processing power just yeah, continues just, to improve, whereas it's hard. I mean, in a sense, we could say we invest in our own processing power through education. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This comes back to the thing I said at the beginning. So just to, you were talking about people, animals, mm. uh, machines. Machines are metal, uh, not strictly, but you know what I mean. Animals, humans are all biological. We assume, you know, say for example, cats, dogs, have feelings mm -hmm. because they act like they do i can tell an ai to act like it does and the only real you know at some point the only real distinction is going to be that one is metal and i can turn it off mm. uh, and the other is a living being also i, I can also turn it off i just can't turn it back on again <laughs> um, <laughs> oh god <laughs> but yeah like the only reason that we suddenly are like well other people other people it's like well i know that i'm a human and i have feelings and they seem to react to stimuli so i'm assuming they have feelings mm. but say for example insects and stuff right there is no better reason to think that an insect has feelings versus an ai other than the fact that it's made of biological material that's mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. that's literally it yeah because it, there's a lot of stimuli that it doesn't respond to in the way that ais do better uh, you yeah. can't talk to an insect <laughs> <laughs> and an ai can tell you well i mean you know it has to be told that hey there's this negative function but like how do i know its response to a negative function isn't it quote unquote feeling negative mm. like when i am in pain like it, it's hard to describe it's just it's an experience i have that's negative mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. and you can tell an ai that they can have that and you can tell an ai part of you know being you is that you now express pain or misery when you uh, mm. are given negative inputs oh it's difficult it's it's crazy isn't it there's a couple of concepts we could introduce that are relevant here. We've got the Turing test and we've got more of X paradox. I have a great story on the Turing test. You go first. Well, I was just going to define the Turing test really quickly. Mm. So I'll define it. Then you tell your story. The Turing test is basically a test of a machine's ability to exhibit intelligent behavior. And how close is that to mimicking a human? So it's named after the British mathematician and computer scientist Alan Turing, of course. He proposed it in a 1950 paper titled Computer, Computing Machinery and Intelligence. And basically, it just says 
If a human uh, engages in natural language conversations with a human and a machine, it couldn't tell the difference. Something passes the Turing test if, it, if its responses pass for human responses, if it couldn't tell the difference between which one's the machine and which one's the human. And it's a significant milestone in the field of AI. It's been the subject of much debate and research. One thing I suppose that's important to add to the definition is that if a machine passes the Turing test, it doesn't necessarily mean it's achieved no. consciousness. So this is two, two or three stories here, okay? Without using even machine learning, I listened to a great podcast on this, and two things. One, sex and insults. People can talk to a chatbot, not realize it's a chatbot for ages, if you tap into really a human failing the, the Turing test rather than the mm. bot succeeding it, which is if you get the chatbot to just kind of come back to like a preset, you know, 100 sexual advances <laughs> like oh baby i think you're so hot or whatever mm, yeah tell me more stuff like that <laughs> like people can talk to these things for 10 15 20 half an hour two hours not realize that they're bots and then likewise if it's just insulting you because often that doesn't really need a sophisticated logic just like hey you're a beep you know whatever else like people respond to, like no you are and so <laughs> you're lots of examples. fat yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> good reference to the uh, um, so that's that's one thing two specific story one of the guys who ran the turing test right i can't remember what it was but he was like having a correspondence dating thing with a woman in Ukraine or something mm. long ago decades ago right but he was a professor in uh, California somewhere goes on for ages and it's just not really going anywhere an embarrassingly long time like months mm. right and then at some point he like writes something he, he has a thought he writes something random and he gets a response that doesn't suggest like why on earth did you send me something random mm. and he was like oh my god it's a bot <laughs> <laughs> so the guy running the Turing test like the, the international <laughs> event where they do it every year uh, and also now, another thing now with chat GPT and Turing test it's kind of trivial that the machines can now pass this let me tell you quickly about more of X paradox because that's an interesting description of where we are and then we'll wrap up it's a phenomenon named after computer scientist Hans Moravec but it basically says contrary to what one might expect. The tasks that are easy for humans to perform, such as recognizing faces or walking and stuff like that, they're really difficult for computers. Meanwhile, tasks that are difficult for humans, such as complex mathematical calculations and data analysis, are easy for computers. A really interesting sort of interpretation of why more of X paradox isn't really a paradox is just that the things that humans find hard, they've studied, and it's to do with logic and reason, and that's why- It's also to do with solving problems. Yeah, exactly, and that's why when we've built computers, we're quite aware of how those things work, and we've invested a lot of effort into mm, them, mm. and computers have the capacity to do really well with those, whereas the things that we take for granted, like recognizing faces or walking, our own understanding of how we do that isn't actually that sophisticated, because so much of it is so subconscious. But as neuroscience it develops- also means we have less need to- We have less need to understand it, but as neuroscience develops, and there's a really interesting feedback loop between- how neuroscience is evolving and how AI is evolving, AI probably will get a lot better at these things too. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the things that they say about like deep learning and back, pro back propagating models and stuff where it's like it more replicates how the brain works. Yeah, exactly. But that's another interesting one for just like things like understanding and this concept of like, can AI really understand? Because there are so many things that we take for granted that form part of our understanding of the world that we still need to model in AI yeah. uh, for it to even... Yeah functionally understand okay. those things. I think that was a really good summary. I think we highlighted how, you know, the distinction between human and AI understanding to the extent that it exists now and maybe it won't exist in the future. Maybe we're putting humans in an unnecessary special place and we're just actually really, really good <laughs> intelligence models mm. that have experience and inputs. So for example, some people say like, oh, AI struggle with humor and emotional intelligence and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I think one of the scary things is if you talk to ChatGPT now, ask it to write jokes. It can write jokes that are as good as an average joke writer's <laughs> or a mediocre joke writer's. Um, you ask it to, for you know emotional intelligence, like it can replicate it now. These are just examples of things that it used to struggle with, but increasingly with large language models and large data sets, it's getting better at. Granted, it's just copying how humans do it, mm -hmm. but 
like we said at the beginning, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, one, maybe it is a duck, and two, if it isn't, like, does it matter? We should still treat it as a duck. My two concluding thoughts. One would be, I feel like for now, we're basically saying AI only really has functional understanding, not phenomenal. But the question mark there is, does phenomenal understanding really exist at all? Or is, is this is just phenomenal understanding? too much credit? Yeah, is phenomenal understanding just layers of more functional understanding? You're just finding situations where the functional understanding fails, and then it's like, well, just make the rules to deal with that failing. Evolve the model. The, and same, is, the same way that humans, you know, yeah. actually can also have that problem, and then they just deal with it. But this is what scares me. My second point is just, I wonder how quickly this episode will be outdated by the rapid acceleration of this technology. Exactly. And, you know, in five, 10 years time, if we're still going and we replay this <laughs> and we haven't been <laughs> taken over by our AI overlords, <laughs> then maybe this will seem horribly out of date because of how quickly the technology yeah. is advancing. Although at the same time, the AI will never, probably never spontaneously develop a why. It can take one, you can give it one, but absent being given one, it's never. it probably won't spontaneously be like, well, I want to be happy or whatever that is, right? Mm. Or I want to maximize positive inputs for me and all other AIs. Anyway, guys, we got to roll. Thank you very much. Remember, if you enjoyed this, review it. Also, feel free to share with your friends. I say feel free. Please share with your friends. It's the best yeah. way to grow the pod. And please tell us if you do debate these questions in your own lives. Tell us what conclusions you come to. We really love interacting with people. We've had so many more responses recently and discussions with people. That's another the questions thing. we've had. Our hot take episodes, we will at least talk about briefly the best ones or the ones we find most interesting or people like most will turn into full episodes we will respond to your suggestions if you just message message me on linkedin message us on instagram email us, email us Stasher, well. Jacob Stasher. and uh, yeah feel free to book chats with us through the form and fill in the survey okay. thank you so much guys speak soon guys Cheers. bye bye bye